open your copy of the Bible uh, with me this morning to the Gospel of Mark chapter 13. We're continuing our study through Mark's Gospel. This morning we are in chapter 13, uh, verses 28 through 31. Are any of you all familiar with the term tassiography? Tassiography. It is the process of predicting the future by reading tea leaves. And so the idea is that you, uh, you brew you up a, a cup of tea the old-fashioned way with the leaves still in it, and, and you drink your cup of tea, and once you finish, there are some leaves or some grounds left in the bottom. And the idea is that when you look at those tea leaves, you, you can see various shapes that symbolize different things. It's kind of like when you look at the clouds, and one person says, well, that cloud looks like an elephant. Another person says, no, that, that looks like a bicycle. You know, and so it's all subjective depending on what the person sees when they look at this. But if you're reading the tea leaves, so the, 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 the teaching goes that if you see a house, it symbolizes you're about to come into some money. Uh, if you see something shaped like a dog, it's supposed to symbolize a, a best friend or a loyal family member. And if you see something that looks like a snake, then it's something deceitful is about to happen to you. But as far as I'm concerned, every single one of the shapes should look like snakes because if you're trying to predict your future based on some tea leaves, you are being 100% deceived. That stuff does not work. In fact, the Bible says such divination is evil. It's sinful. It's an abomination to God. It is something that should not be taking place. Well, in today's message, we see Jesus instructing us not to read tea leaves, but instead to look at fig leaves. And what he means by this is this is a, a metaphor for watching the times to determine just how close his second coming may in fact be. And so as you analyze current events, Hey, Jesus wants you to remain confident in his faithful prediction because you can become discouraged and dismayed when you see the events going on in our culture and going on around us in this world. And when you are tempted to be discouraged, Jesus says, have faith in what I have told you. His word is trustworthy. I want to invite you to stand, if you're able at this moment, to give reverence for the reading of the Holy Word of God. And we are in Mark chapter 13. I'll be reading starting at verse 21. And these words were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Mark. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Let's pray together. Lord, we have come into your presence this morning with hearts filled with gratitude because you have afforded us another opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to gather in this place, to be about the business of worship. 
perhaps the primary way that we worship you is to humble ourselves and open our ears and listen to what you have to say to us. We have expressed our praise to you through song this morning and we have vocalized our prayers to you this morning. And now, Father, it's our opportunity to listen to your word and we do so in a sense of worship. Father, we do believe, as Frank prayed earlier, this is your inspired word. It is true, it is trustworthy, it is powerful. And Father, I pray as your word is preached today that the Holy Spirit himself would stir our hearts to conviction. If there are decisions that need to be made, then I pray, God, that they would be made today. If there is one lost person in our midst, one person within the sound of my voice that has never trusted Christ in a saving way, I pray that your Spirit in his power would lead that individual to make that decision today before it is too late. Jesus is coming, and I pray that we are all ready. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. As we've been working our way through chapter 13, I've shared with you this is oftentimes referred to as the Olivet Discourse because Jesus is teaching these things as we see in the beginning of the chapter. He is teaching these things from the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple. And he has just left the temple with his disciples and he has informed them as they remarked about the the wonder and the beauty of that building. Jesus has, has told them and prophesied to them there will not be one stone unturned on this building. The temple would be destroyed And for Jews in that day and age, that came as a shock to them because the temple represented the presence of God with his people. And to somehow say the temple would be destroyed and their their world literally would be turned upside down. So they were confused by this and they asked Jesus, you know, when will these things take place and what will be the sign for all these things that they will happen And Jesus begins to instruct them in this chapter. He says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines, natural disasters, persecutions against my people. And he says, those things are not the end. In fact, those things are just the beginning of the birth pangs. He says, expect these type of things. He says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he should not be, then that is your sign that the end is near. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples there in that setting at that moment is this, is that the temple will be destroyed and it will be destroyed soon. But what we have also seen in this chapter is Jesus has has masterfully woven in this concept that the fall of the temple in Jerusalem is symbolic to something greater, an event greater that will happen in the end of days. And so as he's telling them to watch those events to see the judgment of God unfold on the temple, he's telling us now we also need to be watching events as they unfold as it is leading to the judgment of God, not in an isolated place in the world, but for the entire world. Watchfulness is the key for this chapter And we've come to verse 28 and 29 and Jesus tells them, he tells us, learn from his parable. Learn from his parable. Jesus, as he often does, 
used common items to teach great truths. And he does that in this passage. He uses, first of all, a natural illustration in verse 28. He says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. It's, it's like us saying when the daffodils begin to sprout up from the ground, we know from experience that the seasons are going to change from winter into spring. We don't know exactly how long it's going to be because I noticed this last year, daffodils sprouting up back in January. <laughs> and we know how long it took for winter to let go of its grip last year. But we know when we see those signs, the seasons are about to change. And Jesus says that. You know when you see these events unfold, something's about to happen eventually. It will happen. And it's interesting also that he uses a fig tree for this illustration. One of the reasons why it's, it's guessed that he has done this is because in Palestine, it is rare for trees to lose their leaves in winter. And the fig tree is one of those rare trees in Palestine that does that. It loses its leaves in winter and it begins to, to bud and sprout when it is time for the season to change. And he says, you know from looking at that, summer is near. But also remember back in chapter 11, Jesus used a fig tree to symbolize Jerusalem and symbolize the, the emptiness of the temple. There was no fruit on that fig tree. He cursed it. And it says it's not yet the season for figs. So Jesus, in essence, is saying that watching the fig tree and knowing that the summer is coming is a reminder to the disciples and to us that when we see events take place, it's a reminder to us that the season is coming, that judgment is coming, that Jesus is coming. A natural illustration. And then he says in verse 29 that that illustration reminds them of a noticeable situation. He says in verse 29... Even so, you too, when you see these things. When you see, in other words, if you are observant, if you are watchful, if you are looking at things through the eyes of faith, when you see these things, what are these things? Well, some say, well, perhaps it's a reference to what he has just said. What has he just said? We looked at it last week, verse 24 to 27. He's talking about the second coming. Well, I don't think he's necessarily referring to that specifically because he says, when you see these things, you know he is near. Well, duh. When you see the Son of Man in the clouds, he's obviously near. So I don't think he's referring to that specifically. I think he's going back to the disciples' initial question. Jesus, you said the temple will be destroyed. When will these things happen? And Jesus says, when you see these things unfold, when you are watching, you will know that the temple will be destroyed and it will be destroyed soon the disciples wanted to know and Jesus in essence gives them the sign and he says you will recognize when you see when you see that's the same word to use back in verse 14 when he says when you see the abomination of desolation and we said what is that and Jesus 
purposefully, I believe, leaves that vague because he says, when you see it. In other words, you'll know it when you see it. Don't worry so much about trying to predict what it might be, but when it happens, if you have the eyes of faith, if you are seeing things in the fullness of the Spirit, when you see it, you will know it. And he's telling the disciples, when you're wondering about the temple being destroyed, when you see these things, that's your cue that the temple will be destroyed. But again, the temple destruction is a metaphor for the end of times. In other words, he's telling them, watch for these things as a sign for the destruction of the temple, but he's telling us, I believe, through the Spirit, watch for certain signs that lead us to the understanding that he's... His coming is near. A noticeable situation, a change in the spiritual realm working itself out in the physical realm when we see these things. A noticeable noticeable situation that precipitates a notable occasion. The next thing he talks about in verse 29, he says, Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize, recognize, that he is near right at the door. And so what is he saying here? Well, the word there, he is near, can also be translated, it is near. And there's some Bible translations that use it. Other translations use he. Well, it can be interpreted either way. If he's saying it is near, what is it? It is the destruction of the temple. When you see these things unfold, disciples, you'll know that the destruction of the temple is near. And in fact, it was near. It happens within four decades after Jesus predicting it would happen. But as we said, if this is a metaphor, not only for the fall of the temple, but for the return of Jesus, the fact that he says he is near is also an indication for us that his second coming, when we see these things unfold, his second coming is also near. Just as I said earlier, he wonderfully weaves these two things together. He's telescoping what happens with the temple to the end of times. And his, his, his instructions for them in that immediate setting are also applicable to us 2,000 years later as we think about the end of days. His return is close, a notable Occasion, the return of Christ. I've been talking about the seasons changing, and some people love different seasons. If you are a person who loves summer like I do, you're sad to see summer end because you know colder weather is on the way. But if you're a person who, love, who loves fall and, and all those type of things of that season, perhaps you're happy to see summer and its heat passing away and fall moving in. You know, different people love different seasons for different reasons. But the thing about it is this. No matter what you think about a season, no matter how you feel about the season changing, they change. <laughs> you know? In God's timing seasons change one season ends and another season begins without any help from us God does these things as we think about that and we think about the end times and the season changing from this season until his second coming it's going to happen whenever he chooses and without any help from us 
he will bring about these things. And so Jesus is saying, just like the fig tree sprouting its leaves happens in due season, so too will the Son of Man return in due season. Learn from his parable. Secondly, we need to listen to his prediction. Listen to his prediction. His disciples asked when the temple will be destroyed, and Jesus answers that for them. He gives a prediction, but first of all, notice he speaks with authority. Authority, verse 30, he says, Truly, I say to you, literally, Amen. Amen. I say to you, and we've said along the way that this is a sign of his authority. Amen. Focusing the significance of, about, of, of what he is about to say. Amen. And then he says, I say to you. Not anybody else. Not this teacher, that teacher. I say to you. In other words, you had better listen. Pay close attention to what is about to come out of my mouth. Amen, I say to you, the authority that Jesus inherently possesses as the Son of God. So what he is about to say is an authoritative declaration, emphatic. He speaks with authority. He speaks of destiny. He says, truly, amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things. This generation, in other words, he is saying that this generation is living on borrowed time. And as the seasons change, so too this generation will pass away. But it will not happen until something else happens. And so, Speaking of these matters of destiny, Jesus, in essence, is saying that God has it all mapped out. The future is as good as done for because God knows when these things will happen. God knows. And Jesus speaks about the destiny of these things that are to come. There's been some debate about what he means by this. This generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Is he talking about the second coming? Is he talking about this generation, literally the disciples that were alive at that time? That cannot be what he's referring to specifically because why? Those disciples passed away some 2,000 years ago. That generation passed away and Jesus has not returned yet. So obviously that's not what he's referring to. Either Jesus was wrong, if that's your belief, you're wrong, or he's saying something else. Remember the specific context. The disciples say, Jesus, when will the temple be destroyed? And Jesus says, this generation won't pass away until it happens. And it happened in 70 A.D., as I said earlier, some 40 years after he predicted. That generation did not pass away until the temple was destroyed. So that specifically in that context is what he means. But again, if that temple destruction is a metaphor for the end time events, that word generation for us could be interpreted the human race will not pass away. Humanity will not vanish from the face of the earth until Jesus comes back. 
There's all kinds of prognosticators and all kinds of, of naysayers that are pointing to, to, to global climate changes and all these things, and, and they're worried about the, the, the future of humanity and asteroids smashing into the earth and all these things will bring about the end of the human race. But Jesus says that humanity, this generation, will not pass away until they see the Son of Man coming in glory on the clouds with power. That is our lesson about human destiny. Jesus knows these things and he speaks with certainty. With certainty. He says that this generation will not pass away, verse 30, until all these things take place. These things will take place. Jesus is certain of that. He is confident in the revelation that he has received from the Father. He is confident. He believes in that. And then he shares that with his disciples with certainty. And folks, the same certainty that Jesus has with that revelation from the Father, that is the same certainty and the same boldness you and I ought to have when it comes to this word right here. We should have as much certainty as Jesus and say these things will take place. For the Bible tells me so. With certainty. As Jesus believed it, that was his conviction, and then he communicated that conviction with others. Folks, we need to be doing the same thing. Have that same conviction. This is the Word of God. It is true. It will happen. And then we need to be telling others these things will take place. Because folks, you might be ready. But maybe the person next to you, maybe they're not ready. And we need to be communicating these things so that not only will we be ready, but we will have others ready along with us. These things will take place. I seen on Facebook yesterday, and sometimes you see stuff on there and you don't know whether to believe it or not. <laughs> don't believe everything you see on Facebook, by the way. If you get nothing else out of this message today, just because it's on Facebook don't mean it's true, all right? But I've seen somebody posted a link that said uh, James Earl Jones had passed away. And at first I was discouraged by that because he is an awesome actor. He's played parts in many movies. Field of Dreams is one of my favorites. But if for, for geeks like me, he's the voice of Darth Vader, you know, and uh, it would just break my heart, you know. I've already watched Darth Vader die on the, on the movie screen. Now to know the guy who does his voice die, that, that would be broken, breaking my heart too. But I read that it said James Earl Jones had, had passed away, and then I saw the, the website, the name of the website that was linked. It was some kind of generic name. It wasn't like uh, ABC News or, or Fox News or whatever. It was some unknown source there. And so immediately I knew, I can't believe that. This is just another one of those hoaxes that for whatever reason people come up with. And the lesson for us is this. Consider the source. You know, when you hear news or when you hear ideas or opinions out there, before you, you buy into it, consider the source. But when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, these things will take place. Consider the source. That's the Son of God saying these things. And you best believe what Jesus has to say. Listen to his prediction. Finally, you need to lean on his promise. On his promise. Because as you 
see these things unfold in the world and as you hear Jesus talking about these end times events, you could become discouraged and you might become fearful and you need strength and you need comfort and you need encouragement. You can lean on His promises in those times. He says in verse 31, first of all, that this world is temporary. It says heaven and earth will pass away. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. And we've been studying that in our heaven study on Sunday nights, that this world, as it is currently constituted, this world will be destroyed slash remade. God's plan is to redeem not just humanity, but redeem all of creation that fell as a result of our sin. And in this final consummation of redeeming humanity completely, this world will be redeemed, it will be transformed, it will be destroyed, it will be burnt up, and then remade, recrafted to be the perfection and the paradise that God originally designed. But I would argue, and I think Scripture does, even better, even better. So this world will pass away. Don't base your hope for the future on worldly things, folks. Those things will pass away. Those things will burn up one day. If it ain't eternal, it won't last. It will be destroyed. Jesus says this world is temporary. However, His Word is trustworthy. His Word is trustworthy. Jesus says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. His words are trustworthy. In other words, Jesus personally guarantees these things. He says, as you see the fig leaves bud, you know summer's coming. As you see these events unfold, recognize that I am near. He says, these things will take place. And then he says, trust in me. Trust my word, because my words are eternal. Why is his word trustworthy? Well, first of all, his permanent teaching. Jesus says his teaching abides forever. My words will not pass away. What words, Jesus? In that specific context, his words about the end of days. Everything Jesus says in the context of the temple being destroyed, he says, my words will not pass away, it will happen. Everything he's predicting about the Son of Man returning, his words will not pass away, it will come to pass. But not only is it about just what he's saying here, but all of his teachings. All of his teachings are permanent. Everything that Jesus has to say about sin, everything Jesus has to say about your need to repent, everything that Jesus has to say about the cross, everything Jesus predicts about the resurrection, everything that Jesus says about salvation, when Jesus says, no one comes to me unless he comes to the Father, those things are permanent, folks. They don't change with the winds and the waves of culture as they blow to and fro. When Jesus says it, he says it, it's permanent. It's not up for debate. It's not fluid and flexible. It's permanent. Whatever Jesus has to say, bank on it. It's permanent. But his teaching also is powerful. It's powerful. How do we know 
the words of Jesus are powerful because Jesus equates his words to the words of God in the Old Testament. Because you see, there are places in the Old Testament where God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but I will remain and my words remain. God says that about himself in the Old Testament on several occasions. A couple of these that are noteworthy. Psalm 102, verse 25 to 27. He says, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them, and they will be changed, but you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. That's the psalmist speaking of the words of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. A voice says, Call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And Jesus says, So do my words. So do my words. This isn't the only place he said that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, there he goes again, for truly, amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is saying his words our bond. Just as we believe in the words of God, the Father in the Old Testament, Jesus says, my words bear the same authority, the same permanence, the same power. So as you analyze the current events, Jesus wants you to remain confident in his faithful predictions. This week, if you've been following the news, one of the current events that took place is the stock market bottomed out once again. A lot of people have been out of shape about that, and a lot of people wringing their hands about that. But you know, if you listen to the financial experts all along, they, especially after the fact, they all came out, I told you so, we, we told you these things were going to happen, and they started listing all these ways in which it could have been forecasted. And they tell us, you know, it's rebounded some this week, but they're telling us again, prepare for it because it's about to fall again. And so we hear these predictions and these experts. And then we have to decide, do I want to put weight into what they are saying? Do I want to trust in what they're saying about the stock market? Because if they're the experts, they know more about the subject than me. Do I trust their predictions? Well, folks... Jesus is more trustworthy than the most astute financial expert on Wall Street. They can predict all these things are going to happen with the stock market, and they might, they might not happen. But when Jesus predicts something will happen, rest assured it will take place. When you get into your vehicle and you look in the passenger side mirror, there is a statement underneath there that says, Objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. Well, we might think about it like this in terms of Jesus and his predictions. His prophecy is closer than it appears. 
Because I'm going to tell it like this. Jesus says, when you see these things, behold, he is near. The second coming of Jesus is nearer today than it was last week when I preached. The second coming of Jesus is nearer now than it was yesterday. The second coming of Jesus is nearer now than when I first began my sermon today. He is near, folks, and he is getting nearer and nearer. And the prophecy of the return of the Son of Man, it is closer than it appears. So with that in mind, you need to be prepared if you are a believer, you can have faith and confidence no matter what happens in this world. Jesus said he's coming back and his word is trustworthy. If you are an unbeliever, you need to be scared out of your wits because Jesus is coming back and his word is trustworthy and I'm condemned unless I surrender my heart to Him and my life to Him and cry out to Him for mercy and for forgiveness and believe He died on the cross for my sin and that He rose again so that I would likewise rise again. Your eternal security rests in whether or not you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We don't have to read tea leaves we see the fig leaves we are reminded Jesus is coming we need to be ready let's pray mighty God we continually are amazed as we read these passages as we see Jesus with so much confidence and authority speaking on these matters no one else, no one else would have that much authority, that much certainty. Oh, there have been people that's tried to predict. We've seen them come and go. Individuals, religious groups. Jesus says, trust in what I have to say. The end is coming. We need to be prepared. For we don't know we do not know. Lord, as we go on to read the rest of this chapter, Jesus tells us, we don't know when it's coming, but it is coming. In light of that fact, we need to watch and stay alert. Lord, it's my prayer for this church that we are alert. We don't get shaken and we don't get scared by turns of events in this world. As things go from bad to worse, when we see these things take place, Behold, He is near, right at the door. God, I pray that we are all ready for that day. If there is someone here that, as we have prayed earlier, has never trusted in Christ, if they're not ready for that day, God, I pray that they make that decision now. They don't put it off another moment. We, we don't know. We don't know what might happen next. We don't know just how near His return is. So, Lord, if there are decisions that need to be made, I pray they are made today. As we listen to the words of Christ, we are comforted. We are convicted. Whatever we feel, these words are powerful. And they are true. So, Almighty God, move, I pray. Let the Holy Spirit blow and stir today.
Let no one be comfortable that are outside of your will. As we have this song of invitation, God, I pray that you would move. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand.